This morning we're going to talk about who you are or what you have in Christ. Uh, we're going to talk about your identification with Christ or your identity, your new identity, the new you that God has made you in Christ or in him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17, you can write down some of these verses and we'll cover some in Christ, who you are, the reality of the new birth, the reality of what happened when you confess Jesus as your Lord, when you got born again. Praise the Lord. One translation says you got refathered. Hallelujah. It says you've been born again, you gotten refathered. So Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and behold, everything has become new. So you could write next to that, say Jesus changes everything. Not just a couple of things, he changes everything. So he says, what happened when you made Jesus your Lord is that you are now in Christ. Dad Hagen used to tell us, you look a lot better in Christ than you do outside of him. Or you could say, God sees you now in Christ through the blood of Jesus, through the cross, the death, the resurrection of Christ, seated together with him in heavenly places. But you have to take your place in Christ or you have to see yourself in Christ. That's where your faith is most effective is when you see yourself in the reality, the way God sees you through the blood of Christ, through the death and the resurrection of Christ and see yourself seated together with him in heavenly places. In that place, you're never fighting for victory. In that place, you're always fighting from victory. In other words, your faith begins with this victory that I am who God says I am. I have what God says I have. I can do what God says I can do. You understand God has a reputation of working with some real losers and making them champions. So don't look around right now, but there's some, some real losers been around here that you're now a new creature in Christ, washed in the blood, amen. You got a new life in Christ. And the Old Testament, the prophets described that in the new covenant, God would put a new heart in you, put a new spirit in you. One translation says, give you a new nature, the divine nature or the life of God on the inside of you. So when he says, if you're now a new creature in Christ, then he says that word new means new in kind or new in quality. It literally means unheard of before. So you're not just a forgiven sinner, not somebody that's just someday trying to get to heaven, but right now, because of the blood of Jesus, you're a new kind of human that never existed before. You're a new kind of creation that never existed before. Come on, you have a new kind of life, and it's the life of Christ. It's the very life of God. You've got a new nature, the divine nature, God's love nature, and that happens the moment you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. I am a new creature in Christ. Come on, you need to declare that. I am a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away and everything has become new. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so right there in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you have to go on down to verse 21 and it's still really good right down there. In verse 21, it says that God made Jesus to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. In other words, Jesus on the cross took our sin. Not only did he take our sin, he took everything sin produced. And he said, and now you and I have been made the righteousness of God in him. 
God would not make an unrighteous new creature. He already has an unrighteous old creature. Why would he make an unrighteous new creature? So the moment you're born again, you're a new creature in Christ. But here he says that you are the righteousness of God in him. Everybody say in him. So there's 130 in Christ, in him, in whom scriptures in the New Testament. Most of them are in Paul's letters written to the church, which would be Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, all those letters that Paul wrote to the church. So we would call this the center of Paul's revelation. So you can think about this for a few years if you want to. God did in Christ what he wanted to do in every man. All right, write that down. God did in Christ what he wanted to do in every person. Or God put into Christ everything he wanted you to have. So in the moment you make Jesus your Lord, now you are in Christ or you are in him. And Paul uses that terminology 130 times. Many ways to study the Bible, but I learned from a guy named Kenneth E. Hagan, Dad Hagan. He said the best way to study the scriptures is go through Paul's letters or Paul's revelation, and every time you see the two words in Christ, in him, in whom, circle or underline those two words. He said because those two words tell you who you are and what you have because you are now in Christ. Not who you're trying to be, not who you're someday gonna be, not if you try hard enough, not if you stay saved long enough, but the moment you make Jesus your Lord, you are now in Christ, and there's 130 statements about who you are and what you have in Him, amen? So, just a preposition in, and the word Christ, interesting technical term, uh, uh, actually a description given by the Holy Spirit that Paul used 130 times. Apparently it must be significant. So when I was a teenager, I just followed Dad Hagen's instructions and I started reading Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, and I wrote down all the in Christ, in him, in whom scriptures. And I got up every morning and said, this is who I am. And this is what I have. And this is what I can do because I am now in Christ Jesus. I'm now in him and God sees me in him. He sees me through the blood. He sees me made alive with Christ. He sees me with the same identical life that Christ has, same victory that Christ has, same blessing that Christ has because I am now in Christ, amen? So while I was studying this, I read one writer and he said, he said the key to the gospel is in the prepositions. Well, when I said prepositions, I thought, well, uh, I should have paid better attention in English class if the key to the gospel is in the prepositions. In other words, he said little words like for, with, in, through, by, prepositions are connecting words that connect you and show your relationship in whatever verb is going on. That means this, the key to the gospels in the prepositions, that means this, everything Jesus did, he did it for us. For, everybody say for. So he was saying the English language was not constructed for a preposition to carry the kind of weight that the gospel calls upon it to carry. So the prepositions break down under the weight and go almost unnoticed. All right, let's go over this one more time. Everything Jesus did, he did it for us. What's that mean? In our behalf, he did it for us. So we were identified with him. And now we are in him. 
and through him and by him, we can do all things. Little preposition. So look at a few scriptures on everything he did. He did it for us. So you could write it down this way. Everything God did in Christ, he did it for us and it's set to the credit of our account just like we did it. All right, let's go over it again. Everything God did in Christ, he did it for us in our behalf. So it's set to the credit of our account like we did it. Or that is called identification with Christ or your identity or who you are now in Christ. The grace of God produced that. And by faith, you just agree with God. You have to understand that God will call you things many times. He will call you things that there's no evidence it exists. Let's try it one more time. I said, God will call you things that there's no evidence it exists. So you have to decide if you're going to agree with God or disagree with your feelings or agree with your experiences or agree with your circumstances. But God said, I'm going to call you something. There's no evidence it exists. But if God calls you that, that's his word. He cannot lie. So the greatest example probably is in the Old Testament when God uh, sent an angel to talk to a man by the name of Gideon. And Gideon is living in a hole in the ground. The enemy's destroying everything he has. And an uh, angel comes and says, you are a mighty man of valor. Gideon said, wrong address. Gideon said, I come from the worst tribe. I come from the worst family in the worst tribe. I'm the worst person in the worst family in the worst tribe. I'm living in a hole in the ground, but God didn't tell Gideon, you have potential. He said, you are a mighty man of valor. In other words, God knows things about you you don't even know about yourself. He said, you are a mighty man of valor. Are y'all still with me here? Come on, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says, We are the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained we should walk in them. You are not trying to be, not someday going to be. And Gideon argued with God. How many of y'all have ever argued with God? And Gideon argued with God and said, there's no evidence that I'm a mighty nothing. He said, I'm a failure. Come on, this is the way we live. But God said, you are a mighty champion, a mighty man of valor. Do y'all know what happened in that story? Gideon finally agreed with God. All right, let's try it again. Gideon finally agreed with God. When he finally agreed with God, everything God said about him came to pass when he finally agreed with God. Amen? So you have to quit agreeing with your past and your circumstances and your feelings and quit agreeing with your kinfolks' uh, opinions. Come on, you're not what your mama made you. You're not what your mistakes made you. You're not what your past made you. Come on, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. You're the workmanship of God created in Christ. Can you say hallelujah? hallelujah? Praise the Lord. So God did in Christ what he wanted to do in every person. Or the apostle Paul calls himself a man in Christ. I love that phrase. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, Paul calls himself a man in Christ. He says, I knew a man in Christ, referring to himself. He said, such a one ascended to the third heaven. 
In other words, you're not limited to this world when you are somebody that's in Christ. Because in Christ, you have access to the very throne of God and the very presence of God. Amen. So because of the blood of Jesus, God now sees you in Christ. And the word Christ means in the anointed one. Or he says your spirit is now engrafted into Christ, joined to him, joined to the anointed one, and the same life, same anointing, same authority, same blessing that's in Christ now belongs to you in your spirit, man. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Write that down. There's, there's 130, so I can't cover them all this morning, but I'll give you a few of them. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 says, For in him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. If you're not impressed with who you are in Christ, you just have not seen him lately. I'm telling you, because he is the champion. He is the master. You're joined to Christ. His life is on the inside of you. You're washed in his blood. Amen. For in him, in him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In him is all the fullness of God. And now you are in him, complete in him, redeemed in him, blessed in him, seated together with him. His life is on the inside of you. Are y'all still here? If you study the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus is constantly declaring his identity and his destiny. Let's try that one more time. If you study the four Gospels, Jesus is constantly saying, I am. Not I'm trying to be. Not I'm going to be. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the bread of life. How many think Jesus knew who he was? I am. So he was constantly confessing his identity and his destiny. If you're going to follow Jesus, you must constantly confess your identity, who you are in him, and your destiny. That now you've made Jesus your Lord and you are now in Christ. In the anointed one. And every touch of the anointing. Let's try it one more time. The anointed one. Every touch of the anointing brings you back into the consciousness of I'm not of this world. I've been born of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm blessed in him. Every touch of that anointing. Thank God for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Same life. Identified. Identical. Identity. Identification. We have a real identity crisis in America today. People can't figure out who they are. Some of them, they don't even know if they're male or female nowadays. Don't let man, our people, our experiences, our feelings tell you who you are. You go to God. You go to Jesus Christ and let him tell you who you are. In other words, his blood. Amen. His power. Praise the Lord. So now that you're in Christ, in the anointed one, now there's 130 in Christ scriptures. Let me give you another one real quick because this is one of my favorite ones. Second Corinthians chapter two and verse 14. 
says, now thanks be unto God. Let's try that again. Second Corinthians 2, 14. Because when I was 17 years old, these were all my favorite scriptures. Now thanks be unto God who always, this is the new King James. I always use the King James first, but I'll let you get away with that if you want to. Now, thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. All right, let's try it one more time. Now, thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. I don't know about you, but I'm planning on winning in everything and in every situation. He always causes us to triumph in Christ. <laughs> Amen. All right, now sit back down. The word triumph. The word triumph. That's not really the battle for victory. The word triumph is really the celebration after the victory has been won. Or the word triumph is the party or the celebration after the battle has already been won. The apostle Paul says, I wanna thank God because the battle has already been won. I want to thank God that he always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. And one translation says, I celebrate the victory of Christ everywhere I go. Come on. How many of you like to get up in the morning and celebrate the victory of Christ? His victory is our victory. Amen. His victory is your victory. His blessing is your blessing. Woo, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So now, everything God did in Christ, he did it for us. So there's 130 in Christ scriptures, but there's really only about 30 of them that are really significant. So 30 of them, man, you can start hitting in Christ scriptures on who you are and what you have in Christ. So look at Ephesians chapter 2. And wow, let's start with verse four and we'll work down to verse 10. Can you do that? Ephesians chapter two and work down from four to 10. Whoo, oh my, praise the Lord. All right, what's it say, Ephesians two, four? Y'all got that? But God, come on, we were lost, hopeless, but God. Come on, we were lost in hopeless failures. Come on, disaster on our way to hell. But God. But God who is rich in mercy. God is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. All right, let's try that one more time. His great love, which he loved you. Oh, read the next, next part. He hath quickened us together with Christ. You see the word quicken, King James word, but it means he made us alive together with Christ. He made us alive together with Christ. And y'all have the Amplified Bible. We call it the women's Bible because it has more words. He made us alive together with Christ. The Amplified Bible says he gave us the very same life that he gave to Christ. Amen. In other words, the same identical life that God gave to Christ, he gave to every person that is in Christ. The same life 
What kind of life is that? Whoa, that's the God kind of life, same life, resurrection life, overcoming life, healing life, devil-defeating life. It's triumphant life. It's joy life. It's love life. It's God's life. He gave us the same life that he gave to Christ. Well, y'all ought to get happy this morning. I said he gave me the same life, gave you the same life that he gave to Christ. That life is in you right now. I said that life is in you right now. Amen, it's in you right now. Listen, it is spiritual life. It is the same life that's in God. Now listen close. Here's the way the Lord said to me, because we travel all over the world. He said, every religion offers lessons, but only Jesus Christ gives life. Are y'all still with me? Every religion gives lessons, but only Jesus Christ gives you life. Let's try this out over here. I don't know. She said the Holy Ghost section was over here. Every religion will give you a lesson, but Jesus did not come just to give you a lesson. He came to give you life, eternal life, resurrection life. Ah. <laughs> Woo. Sit back down, sit back down. Come on, anybody can give you a lecture. Let's try this out over here. Anybody can give you a lecture. Anybody can give you a lesson. But only Jesus Christ came and died on the cross, raised from the dead to give you life. Come on, not just any kind of life. He came to give you the life of God. Resurrection life, overcoming life, healing life. That same life. Woo! So First John says, he that hath the Son, First John 5, 11, and 12, 13. He that hath Jesus, Whoever hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God does not have life. And John said, I've written these things unto you so you can know you have eternal life. Listen. I don't know what else you have in this world, what kind of car you have or house you have, but I I know if you know you have eternal life, you're gonna be all right if you know you have eternal life. I know I have. So eternal life is not something you get when you die. You gotta get it before then. Eternal life is not what you get when you die. Eternal life is what you get when you say, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. You're the Lord. And he gives you life, eternal life. Eternal has reference to the quality of the life. Because it is the life of God. This life is what makes you a champion. Let's try it one more time. This life is what makes you a champion. This life is the present possession of every believer. This life comes into your spirit the moment you make Jesus the Lord of your life. This life. All right, let's keep going here. This life 
is spiritual life, the God kind of life. This life in you, in your spirit, brings you into union with Christ. Praise the Lord. All right, I'm going to come back to this, y'all. Let me remind me to come back to this. Listen close. Our grandson, Dylan, was diagnosed with leukemia when he was three years old. Now he's nine years old, and he's perfectly healthy, plays on basketball teams, runs everywhere. But when he was three years old, he was only minutes from death. Big tumor in his chest. And so my, my daughter and her husband took him to the emergency room. And the doctor said he's got big, uh, cancer of the blood, leukemia, got the big tumor in his chest, could hardly breathe. And so we went through two years of, of uh, radiation, chemo, attacking that leukemia. And so he started getting better. And so we were happy. But right before they ring the bell... Right before they ring the bell, the doctor said, well, we have found another cancer cell. We were so disappointed. The doctor said, the only way we can really cure Dylan is he must have a bone marrow transplant. A bone marrow transplant today translates into what you call a stem cell transplant. So they said, first thing we got to do, because we want to produce what they call molecular remission. In other words, he went into what you call normal religion, uh, remission, but they said, we want molecular remission, which means that every molecule in his body, there'll be no evidence he ever had leukemia. The only way to produce molecular remission is he must have a bone marrow transplant. So first of all, we have to find a donor. So they're looking for a donor, and they came up with Dylan's three brothers, and all three of them were a match. So they finally picked Gavin, which was the middle one, and Gavin was not that happy that he got picked. <laughs> because Gavin had to go into the hospital for three or four days, give his blood, and give his stem cells, and he had to give enough that would last all of Dylan's life. And so, you know, Gavin swole up and he was in a lot of pain and we kept giving him, uh, you know, all these promises, all the toys, what kind of toys you want. You know, you're saving your brother's life, Gavin. And so we're giving him these uh, uh, special talks, you know. So once they got his blood, then they had to give uh, Dylan the most, uh, the strongest radiation to kill the bone marrow that he had because it was diseased. Then they had to take Gavin's blood, stem cells, give it to Dylan. A six-hour process that the doctor said if his body rejects Gavin's stem cells, then Dylan will die. He must accept or receive those stem cells. So we're praying and we say, Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus now. That, that Dylan will receive those stem cells, and when it comes in, he'll say, welcome, we're glad to see y'all. So before the process happened, that they took Gavin's stem cells to engraft them into Dylan, the doctor came in and said some interesting things. One is the doctor said, Mr. Dylan, we're fixing to say goodbye to you. Because you will never be the same person after this day. Next, she said, from this day, you will have two birthdays, the day you were born, but also the day this happened, because it's like you're born now a new person. They said, matter of fact, the, it, this will change your DNA. So you will now have Gavin's DNA, so much so that if Gavin is convicted of a crime, Dylan, you could be convicted of the same crime because you have the same identical DNA. So they started the process. It went so smooth, six hours, and all of Gavin's uh, DNA and all of his uh, stem cells went into Dylan. And boy, the doctor was so happy. And they tested Dylan's blood. And they said, wow, this is working wonderfully. And now, Dylan, your, your blood is already now 50% Gavin's blood. Yeah. 
He said, come back in a few weeks. We came back in a few weeks, and the doctor said to Dylan, you are now 100% Gavin. (laughs) Dylan had a twin sister, but now he's closer to Gavin than he is to his own birth sister. Because Dylan got twinned with Gavin. If medical science could do something like that. Let's try it one more time. I said if a a medical doctor could do something like that. Imagine who your donor is. (laughs) I said imagine who your donor is. Come on. Sit back down just for a minute. Imagine who your donor is. Because God said, you're not going to live. You're going to die in your condition. But let's find a donor. So Jesus, God the Son, God in a body. That's why you ought to be happy at Christmas time. He got in a body. And he carried the blood, the redeeming blood for every man, everybody, everywhere in his body. But he died on the cross, shed his blood. Then the third day he was raised from the dead and he took his blood into heaven itself and he obtained eternal redemption for us. Listen, you have now been twinned with Christ. I sit back down. You got twinned. Let's try it again. You're not just a forgiven sinner. You're not just a struggling person someday going to heaven. You're a new kind of creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. All right, go back to Ephesians 2 real quickly here. Praise the Lord. Are y'all getting happy yet? I don't know if anybody get happy. Do you see what God has done for you in Christ? You see your identification with Christ. Your spirit now, engrafted, joined to the master. The last Adam, the firstborn from the dead, the first man to enter the death experience and master it. Jesus is Lord. And you are now in him. All right, let's finish. We go to Ephesians 2. Ready? I'm trying to cover this as quick as I can. He says that you've been made alive together. He gave us the same life he gave to Christ. And then he says, and has raised us up together. I don't know if I can go fast over this part right here. He raised us up together and made us sit down together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, when I was a teenager, I first read that verse because I was going over the in Christ scriptures and the Holy Spirit gave me a little vision. I was 17. 17 year olds have all kinds of identity problems. Who am I, you know? Well, I saw myself made alive with Christ, raised up with him, and seated together with him in heavenly places. That is a place of authority. All right, come on now. I said you are seated together with Christ in a place of authority, 
far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. You take your place in Christ and look down at the devil. Say, you way down there, buddy. I'm seated way up here. All right. I don't mean you don't have struggles. I had plenty of struggles. But the Lord said to me, never let your struggle become your identity. In other words, he said, you take your identification with Christ. And though I was having challenges, once I saw who I was in Christ, seated together with him, I looked down. Because in Christ, seated with him, his victory is my victory. His authority is my authority. His blessing is my blessing. His triumph is my triumph. Anybody want to know what the first thing I did? I'm 17 years old. First thing I did is I saw that with my eyes and I went, ha, 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 ha. Because I'm not trying to get the victory now. Come on, I'm seated with him in a place of victory. So in every challenge, take your place in Christ and fight that thing from up here, way up here and say, ha, ha. All right, go back to Ephesians 2.10. Write down just a couple of verses. For we are his workmanship. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We are his workmanship. God don't make no trash. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Predestined, prearranged. You have a divine destiny, but if the devil can challenge your identity, then he can hinder your destiny. And the devil will do that. He'll come around and say, if you are this, and if you are that, and if you, how come this, and how come that? Well, you got to go right back to the word and say, I am, because of the blood of Jesus, I am redeemed by that blood. Come on. I overcome by that blood. I'm blessed because of that blood. Come on. You hold fast to your confession of faith without wavering, and your declaration is of who you are in Christ Jesus. God did in Christ what he wanted to do in every person. Let's say it this way. You know, I like different kinds of cars and trucks, you know. So when they first came out with a Ford Raptor truck, I thought, I got to have me one of those. So I've had a few of them since then. Now I got new additions and stuff like that. That Ford Raptor truck, you know, it's, a, it's about eight inches wider than a regular F-150. It's got, you know, the ones I bought first of all, I had a 6.2 big block motor, special four wheel drive, locking differential, special transmission, and specially built special suspension so you can jump over things and without it falling apart. <laughs> Special tires, which means you can go through the mud. You can go through the snow. Come on, you can go through bad weather. You can go through hot times. You can go through the desert. Come on, you can go through the winter. And this truck will keep on going. When everybody else is on the side of the road. So I studied it. So once I studied, I said, I got to get me one. So I got me one, I've had a few of them. But anyway, before they made all the Raptors, they made the prototype. They tested the prototype, the suspension, the transmission, the motor, the brakes, come on, the four-wheel drive system. They tested it, and once it passed every test, they had the prototype. Once they got the prototype, then they put the same equipment in every other Raptor that they put into the prototype. 
So what God did in Christ, he made a prototype. <laughs> Are y'all still with me? I said he made a prototype. His name is Jesus. But Jesus is the last Adam, the head of a new creation. All right, sit down, sit down. He made the prototype. And Jesus went through extreme testing. He passed every test. Through the mud, through the snow, come on. Through the storms. He went through the hot places, come on now. Through the cold places. He went through the difficult times. He literally went to hell and back. I don't know what you think you got when you got saved, but you got the same life that's in Christ on the inside of you. That don't mean you won't have any tough times. You, you may go through some mud and some challenging times, but you got the equipment on the inside of you to take you through every situation. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I know who I am. People say, who do you think you are? You say, how much time you got? <laughs> Bring a notebook. Huh? We'll write some stuff down. In Christ, in whom? My identification with Christ. In the four gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see Jesus dying, Jesus buried, Jesus raised. But in Paul's letters, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Paul says, we were there. We were crucified with him. We died with him. We we're buried with him. We we're raised with him. Four gospels, you see Jesus died, Jesus buried, Jesus raised. Paul's letters, he said, we were there. We died with him. We we're buried with him. We we're raised with him. So I said, Lord, what's the difference? Here's what the Lord said to me. He said, the four gospels are a photograph of redemption. Paul's letters are an x-ray. You look different in an x-ray than you do in a photograph. Very few people will send out an x-ray of their family for Christmas. It's just so hard to recognize everybody. How would y'all like to send an x-ray of your family out for Christmas? And, you say, well, is that really them? It's them. You're just seeing inside them. The four gospels tell you what happened to Christ. Paul's letters tell you what happened in Christ. In the spirit. Or what God saw. Or what the angels saw. Or what the devil saw. Woo! Hallelujah. Let me read this in another translation real quickly, then I'll try to close here. But we could be here all afternoon to bring a sandwich. He says, for we are his workmanship. I think this is a passion translation says, we have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given to each of us. We are his workmanship. Come on now. Recreated. We will fulfill the destiny he has given to each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. Before you were born. Woo. God did in Christ what he wanted to do in everybody. Woo! Come on, when you say, Jesus is my Lord, I'm born again. Refathered. New heart. New spirit. New nature. New life. I am a new creature in Christ. 
All right, let's try that again. Come on, you need to get a little bit of a look on your face like you're really letting the devil know. Let the devil know you know who you are. I am a new creature in Christ. Come on, let's say it together. I am a new creature in Christ. All things have passed away. Everything has become new. I have the same life, same authority, same blessing, same victory that's in Christ is in me right now. I know I have eternal life. Well, you ought to shout about that, praise the Lord. I said, you ought to shout about that, praise the Lord. Come on, pastor, I'm gonna sit down, praise the Lord. Glory, glory. Come on, stand up. Glory. Lift your hands up. Glory, glory. Glory. Come on, he's in me. He's in me. He's in me. And I'm in him. And I'm in him. I'm in him. Glory, glory, glory. 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 Come on, he's showing you the riches in Christ, in Christ. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is that Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life and that the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.